Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You must live below your means. So if you're earning minimum wage and you can't afford to buy a nightstand, don't. You know, so whatever your income is, please just at least set aside 10%. My recommendation, more like 25, 30% toward your savings. And after your emergency fund is built up, put that into investment. But you got to live on, I think, 70% of your income to really get ahead these days with millennials complaining that you can't complain. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, the podcast that brings you conversations with the brightest minds in entrepreneurship and business. I'm your host, Tyler Martin, and today we have a truly fascinating episode lined up for you. In this episode, we're joined by Annie Margarita Yang, a full-time real estate accountant who has automated her job to work fewer hours. She's not only built a successful side business, but has also written two books, including 1001 Ways to Save Money and The Five-Day Job Search. There are so many intriguing things we dive into, like Annie's bold prediction about the economy, her thoughts on where to invest your money, and her quest to be a guest on 500 podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss a minute of this conversation. So sit back and get ready to think business with Annie Margarita Yang. Hey, Annie, thanks for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How's it going today? Wonderful, Tyler. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate coming on. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. I'm excited to have you. I wanted to first get into, before we talk about the main topic, I'd love to share a little bit about yourself. What do you do for a living? And then maybe share a personal anecdotal thing about yourself if you can. Uh, Yeah, sure. I am a quote-unquote, I like to say, a full-time real estate accountant. But the fact is, I had initially started my full-time job at 40 hours a week, but I found ways to automate my job. I kept reading different things about the software that we were using. And then I slowly, slowly just chipped away at the time and was able to shorten my workday. And now I work about 10 to 15 hours a week for the same pay. So while I'm doing that, (laughs) well, my boss is fine with what I did. Okay, that was going to be one of my questions. (laughs) He's fine. He's fine because at least I get my work done. I meet the deadlines. I'm doing the same amount of work and having the same results as when I first started at the job. I just simply shortened the time that I spend on it. Uh, So now with the remaining time that I have in my workday, I actually spend it building my side business. I was doing a side hustle of building my own accounting firm. 
But sometime back in November, I'm really intuitive. And I got this message in my head that I got to write my next book. This book, The Five-Day Job Search, which just released two months ago, is really, I think, going to change the world because a lot of people are getting laid off right now and they need this kind of solution. So that's what I'm up to now. That's great. Wow, there's a lot there to unpack. So did the accounting firm, is that still on your radar or is that something you just put to the side for now? It's something I put to the side, kind of like... I still serve my existing clients, but I haven't proactively done any marketing to gain new clients. The problem is I foresee there's going to be a huge economic collapse and a lot of businesses are going to go bankrupt. They're not going to have money to be able to pay their vendors and their employees. So I kind of have to put it on hold, even if I want to grow my accounting firm, because if I take on a new client, what if they go bankrupt next year? Like they're going to take me down with them. So that's why I kind of have to put it on hold until maybe a few years from now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm with you so far. I have to ask it. Why do you, what's your feeling? You know, I know this is all crystal ball stuff, but what's your feeling? Why do you think there'll be this economic doom next year? Because there's money that's leaving the economy. It's a whole bunch of things, right? Yeah. So our country in the United States, we have been around for, I guess, over a little over 200 years And in 200 years, that's how long it took for our money supply to reach about $15 trillion in circulation. In only 18 months after the pandemic started, it went up to $21 trillion. So basically in 18 months, the government has printed so much money, it created half of what it took 200 years to create. And um, starting about sometime mid last year, I looked at the Fed stats just over the weekend, sometime mid last year, the amount of money leaving, now disappearing from circulation is at a rate about a trillion dollars a year. So that's just one thing. I don't know what's the cause of this, what what they're doing, but that was definitely the cause of the inflation, first of all. Right. And now with the interest rates so high. So what happens, I think the way money disappears is every time people pay back their debt, right? It, It gets returned to loan servicer and the bank, but the money doesn't get returned back out because no one's borrowing money. So it disappears, right? Especially now that it's just starting 30 days ago, people had to repay their student loan debt. You can imagine 44 million Americans times about $500 a month each person. We're looking at like billions of dollars in student loan payments being repaid straight back to the Department of Education and that money is not coming back out. So going forward, it's really going to be a game of musical chairs, basically. Interesting. So in your own personal life, in your business world, is there anything you're doing that would plan or insulate yourself from some type of economic recession or doom, depending on how severe something like this were to happen? I have been recommending to people since March with the collapse of SVB to get their money out of the bank, starting about three weeks ago, because I try to keep as little cash in the bank as possible right? I still need to keep cash in there because there are bills that need to be paid online, like my mortgage. But aside from that, I take out what I can. And starting two weeks ago, this is a little tricky. Okay. So I bank with Charles Schwab. It's an online bank. They don't have an in-person branch where I can take money out. So the limit that I can have is like $1,000 per day at the ATM. I can go to any bank to withdraw that $1,000 and Schwab will refund me those ATM fees. Now, Three weeks ago, I walked into Chelsea Bank to withdraw a thousand and their ATM said there's insufficient money in this ATM 
to give you the full $1,000, please choose a lower amount. So the bank is already stocking less money in their ATM to, to let people withdraw. So then I went to Needham Bank a few days later. It's also a small bank. Same, same message on the ATM. There's not enough one, uh, money in this ATM right now to give you $1,000. Please choose a lower amount. And then a week after that, I told my husband, please go to the ATM and withdraw the money for me. He went in. Same thing at Metro Credit Union. There's not enough money to withdraw. So it's already starting. I just think people aren't noticing these kinds of things. So I'm already, I've already taken my money out. <laughs> and I, I recommend that people, well, I'm not a financial advisor. I hate like if so, someone to come after me, if I cause them to sure, lose sure. money. But it is recommended, especially in times of war, to have your money in gold and silver because it's not tied to any political agenda. It's not like tied to any government. Gold and silver has been around through empires that have fallen, right? It's sure, still around sure. today, thousands of years later. It doesn't rely on a national government. Right. That's fascinating. Yeah. And this isn't financial advice. Or you're not suggesting anyone go do this. This is just what's working for your own personal way. People should do their own research. Do, the, do your own research. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's fascinating though. I mean, you know, I have mixed opinions on it. I think there are a lot of diagnostics and a lot of things going on worldwide that could indicate some type of, you know, clash in terms of our economy. There's also, I've kind of been around a long time and seen a lot of things where, you know, on paper, it looked like bad things were going to happen and the opposite seemed to happen. So it's hard when you, we, you know, you start talking about those crystal ball stuff, it's hard to really know, but it's interesting having all cash obviously create some challenges too, unless you're going into gold or something and you have a way of securing it and, you know, from a safety standpoint. So fascinating. fascinating. I love that. That that wasn't what our conversation was going to be about, but I'm, I really appreciate you sharing that. So I want to, I want to kind of shift gears and talk around our core theme. So I just, and I've learned, already learned a lot about you, almost like answered some of these questions just in terms of your, um, your drive and your ability to, to make things efficient, but you started from working minimum wage jobs and then you've gone to now this this book that seems to be really be taking off. I think it's your second book, actually, seems to be really taking off. I mean, what what caused you to go in this direction? Like, did you always see yourself as writing when you wrote your first book? Was that like, hey, I knew I would always write a book? Or like, tell me the story behind that and what got you to the second book? And, it was, and also just the whole five-day idea. Like, I'd love to know about that. The first book is 1001 Ways to Save Money. That was inspired from the fact that I was working a whole string of minimum wage jobs. And I had a guidance counselor in high school who told me I would always be a failure if I didn't go straight to college. So I thought, okay, she's an adult. She knows what the real world is like. Then I'm never capable of making good money. I'm not capable of making more than what someone at McDonald's makes. So if I can't play a good offense financially, maybe I can play a good defense. So I ended up getting really good at managing my money on a very tight budget. So even while working minimum wage, I was saving between 25 to 50 percent of my income and not asking my parents for money. And I didn't live with my, with my parents at some point either. You know, I actually rented on my own. So that's on minimum wage. And people were wondering, like, how do you do it, Annie? Because I make far more than you and I'm still living paycheck to paycheck. I'm like always broke. And, you know, I, I got kind of tired of people asking me this question because everyone's situation is different. So I figured, why not write a, a whole reference here? You ask me this question, buy my book, you know, only ask me something that's not in the book. Save, save me some time here, right? So it was never really my intention to write more than one book because what I did was I, I actually went to this seminar called how to publish a book and grow rich. 
And in the seminar, the person teaching it said, most people don't write a book to get rich. They don't plan on selling millions of copies of book. In fact, the average book sells only like 2,000 copies if you're successful. No, if you're not successful, you don't even sell 2,000. I managed to sell 2,000 of 1,001 ways to save money. Wow. So that's pretty successful, right? But the average person actually, like the author uses the fact that they are an author to gain credibility in their field so that other people see them as an expert. Basically, it's a branding thing. And um, this helps people get more opportunities to make money, to form a whole business around it, whatever it is. So that was my intention. I never had the intention to write a second book. It's just this came up, you know, I'm really intuitive. I can hear voices in my head. I'm not schizophrenic, but I would say I, I can hear things. And back in November, all I was told was you got to write this next book. It's really important. It's going to be huge. The timing is here. This is what you're supposed to do. So, you know, I just wrote this book. And why five days is because the current job that I have right now, where I cut the job hours down from 40 to 10 to 15 a week, is is the job where I took only five days to land. And I, I did it all without an accounting degree as well. Wow. So is this the five days? Is this around branding yourself? Is that a big part of it? Because I know branding is, a, is part of what you talk about. Is that what plays into this? This is branding as well. I'm also branding myself as I am promoting and selling this book. Right. So prior to writing this book, I never said, hey, guys, my name's Annie Margarita Yang. I'm an expert career coach. I can help you earn more money. I can help you negotiate for a higher salary and, and stuff like that. I was never doing that before I wrote this book. What I did instead is I wrote this book and then I brand myself as a career coach <laughs> so that other people can see me as one and, and want to come to me for help. So that's what I've been doing. I've been getting on podcasts. I'm actually planning on going on 500 podcasts. I'm booked on 80 and you're interview number 36 at the moment. And as the episodes get released, you know, Google has been indexing everything tied to my name, Google and Bing. So every time you type like Annie Margarita Yang or you type the words the five day job search or something like that, more and more search results get tied back to my name like they show up and it just makes it look more and more like, oh, wow, she must be like up and coming or trending or hot or like you know, somebody famous or something like that. That's what it looks like on the internet. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Is that your strategy from a branding standpoint? Is that your strategy just from terms of mostly podcasting or are you doing other things in terms of pushing your own branding? Oh yeah, this is just one route. So I have okay. a list of 50. Wow. Yeah, because I've been trying to help businesses grow. I have found that there's not, a, a lot of people say they want to grow and scale their business. And I take them at their word when they come to me like, oh, Annie, can you help me run my operation more efficiently? Or can you help me scale this up? Can you help me make more money? Or, or can you help me cut costs? You know, And people come to me with these kinds of desires. And then I want to actually put in the work. I want to help you. I have a plan for you. This will work. you know. But they don't want to put in the work. So the cost is not money. Because even if I want to do it for free for someone, they still don't want to do it. The cost is their time. People don't want to put in the time. So very few people are actually willing to put in that time. I don't know what to say about that, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting because, you know, it's funny when I hear you speak, definitely the career, I love that you said, hey, the five days is how you got your own job. But really, when you think about it, 
probably a higher ticket value item is the fact that you have optimized your own job at a business, have turned it from 40 hours to 15 hours. I mean, that's obviously in terms of process and procedure, that has huge value for a typical business. So it's kind of interesting how, I mean, I think you've got another world there, another book. How to it turn is it- immensely. I agree with you. It's totally valuable, but I would. it's like only 2% of business owners out there are actually willing to put in the time to work and implement the things that I suggest. The other 98%, they stay small. Right, right. I will say one thing, and this isn't the be-all, but you you mentioned the free part. Anytime you do anything for free or low cost, people don't put a lot of effort into it or they don't take it seriously. One way to weed out or find that 2% of that stat is, is correct. You know, if you have a higher ticket pricing that you offer something and that client accepts it, they're usually more engaged because they're making a big investment and they're more likely willing to invest their time. So that might be another, when the timing's right, of course, another angle to try that because I think you could offer a lot of value in that space too. It's really amazing. You got a couple different areas. Now you also have a YouTube channel that I think you said over a million I don't know if it's likes views. or views. Yeah, but that's views. quite a bit. If you don't mind sharing, what, what's your strategy around YouTube? I mean, a million views is a lot. Uh, how did you get there? What, what's your strategy? Uh, that was a one-hit wonder. I didn't really have much of a strategy. Okay. <laughs> More like anger. <laughs> um, yeah, there there were so many like people back then when I started, this was five years ago, they were making videos on like how to save money on a middle-class income or, or on minimum wage or how to stop being broke. And I was watching these videos and they're saying things like stop drinking coffee at Starbucks or stop buying candles, stop buying flowers to decorate your home. And I just want to scream because I was working minimum wage for five years at that point, you know, and I had never bought a scented candle, never bought flowers for my home. I didn't even own a nightstand for Christ's sake. <laughs> at that point, I, n- I never even owned a sofa, you know, and, and these people on their high horse were telling me to stop buying this stuff. And that's why I can't save money. And I, I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, their advice doesn't work. So I, I said, you know what? My advice works. You know, I was really self-conscious about my image and, and things like that. But I figure this is ridiculous. People are getting such bad advice. I'm going to make this, this video, how to save money on minimum wage. And that was the first video I made. It blew up. It went viral. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it was like a one hit wonder. I can't replicate that. <laughs> well, that, that's awesome, though. Where's the line, though? Like when you say, because I, I could imagine, you know, people out in the audience are going, oh, my gosh, no couch, no nightstand. I mean, where's that line of, you know, how much sacrifice is someone? Where is the line in terms of how much sacrifice they should make? I mean, obvious for you, it was, hey, I'm willing to go without a couch. A lot of people would say I'm probably not willing to do that. So where's that? What's right for people, do you think, in your opinion? I honestly think. Yeah, it's a gray scale. You know, I used to be very black and white about this, but my philosophy still stands. You must live below your means. So if you're earning minimum wage and you can't afford to buy a nightstand, don't, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So whatever your income is, please just at least set aside 10%. My recommendation, more like 25, 30% toward your savings. And after your emergency fund is built up, put that into investment. But, you know, You got to live on, I think, 70% of your income to really get ahead these days. Millennials say you can't get ahead. But I mean, if you do want to get ahead, that's the kind of sacrifice you're looking at if you want to achieve your American dream. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. The sacrifice, I think, is where, you know, you talked about people not wanting to put their time into things. I think the sacrifice is also, particularly in the States, People don't want to sacrifice. We're not taught that way. I mean, that's not what marketing says. Uh, Everything we're supposed to have fast, quick, 
on credit, you know, all these other things. And it's really hard, I think, for people to connect and in business too, frankly. When you start out a business, you have to be willing to sacrifice things in order to get to the next level. Otherwise, it'll probably slow your journey and maybe even make your journey not successful. So that's interesting to hear you say that. How do you juggle everything? So you've got, you know, you're the breadwinner, you've got a book, you've got side hustle, now career coaching, it looks like you're getting into, and then you've got your 15 hour a week job. How do you manage to juggle all that? Oh, I, what I do is I make a whole list of everything I have to do, even like my personal life. Like, for example, this is a new one. I haven't shared this story. <laughs> we're getting a gun. <laughs> we're applying for, yeah, we're, we're applying for our license to carry. And, um, you know, so even stuff like that is on my to-do list. Fill out your license to carry application. And, and I say, I estimate how much time each even small task is expected to take. Five minutes, 10 minutes, that application might take one hour. And then what I do is I just schedule it all into my calendar. And as I schedule each one, I cross it off my to-do list because once it's in my calendar, I just have to follow my calendar. The hardest part is not about over, not double booking or overbooking. It's rather like, Sometimes I can put too much in a day. That That's a struggle. So I have to put rest breaks in between. Like I have to even have a nap time. I have to have lunch time. Um, so like if, if I don't build in like maybe a 30-minute rest after lunch, I know I'm not going to feel good, you know? So I, I'll build in like a 30-minute nap after lunchtime and then I can get back to work. Even that kind of stuff is on my calendar. It's all accounted for. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens, and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. So like if, if I don't build in like maybe a 30 minute rest after lunch, I know I'm not going to feel good, you know, so I, I'll build in like a 30 minute nap after lunchtime and then I can get back to work. Even that kind of stuff is on my calendar. It's all accounted for. Do you follow that pretty much to the T or do you allow yourself some flexibility? Oh, I might not get this done or my nap might be a little longer, a little shorter. How rigid are you about following that schedule? I'm pretty rigid unless I get sick. Okay. So for example, last week I had strep throat. It took me seven days to recover. I had to push everything back. Wow. So all the podcast interviews that I was on, I had to reschedule them for a later date. Got it. I, I wasn't really happy with that, but I mean, I have to listen to my body as well. And I try not to make myself feel guilty when that happens. So I want to talk about the gun a little bit. So, yeah. you know, I've never been like one of these prepper people, nothing against them, but I've never really been into that. I know I've known of it. And I recently read a book called Home and the author is his pen name is A American. And uh, it's all about it's just very interesting. It brought a new light to me about prepping. And, and now there's like nine books or 11 books. I don't know how many there are. And now I'm reading the second one. But it it got me to think about getting a gun just because <laughs> basically the premises of it is, is that, you know, society, if, if for some reason, you know, there was like an electromagnetic type 
wave that could happen from a nuclear, even if it wasn't in our area, could happen from some type of nuclear accident or nuclear thing, all our electronic gadgets would stop working. Now, some of this is true, some of this is not true. But it's just interesting how quickly anarchy kicks in when people don't have guaranteed food and don't have, or an access to food, I should say, or water resources, people start doing things that aren't really of their character, but they have to do what they have to do to survive. And uh, it's just kind of fascinating. So it started, started getting me to no, think we, about- No, but we can already see yeah, with the way people don't have money, they're already looting. It's true. They're it's already true. breaking windows and, and things just to steal. It's true. You know- it's already happening. I saw one that just broke my heart the other day. These people got into an accident on the freeway and the the car was just like demolished. And I'm assuming they were kind of hurt. People actually got out of their car to loot their car. I saw that. And that blew my, I don't know. I'm assuming it's yeah. true. I didn't see a news report on it, but I just kind of, it's like a TikTok video. But so hof- right. hopefully it wasn't true. But if it was true, it really like makes you think to the level we've kind of gotten in that whole area. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of scary. So- yeah. You need personal protection these yeah. days. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, <laughs> anyway, I didn't want to get too much into that, but it's interesting. It's an interesting topic. And if anybody's curious about that, the book is called Home, and the author's pen name is A. Period American. Interesting book. Another question I wanted to ask you about, just in terms of just about your own branding, is there any tips, like, you know, from a business owner standpoint? main the main person in the business what should they be doing what would you recommend in terms of branding or getting their business to be known more any any things you can throw out in terms of what what they could do to do better at it yeah there are so many different avenues you can pursue because like i was saying there's 50 different roads to Annie Yang Financial that i'm fleshing out one of them being podcasts it really depends on what industry you're in and what you're doing You know, like for me, I'm doing more of this consulting work for career coaching. So the podcast stuff makes sense. But other people could be Twitter, could be TikTok, could be Facebook, could be YouTube, could be Instagram, uh, could be LinkedIn. Like there's so many different avenues. I think really you have to find out what is the main one you should use based on who you're targeting. Like, for example, if I'm trying to target right now job seekers or people who have recently been laid off, I'm going to be on LinkedIn with pe- for people who have that open to work badge on their profile, right? So you have to find out, first of all, where people are hanging out online and then you develop that. But um, I think people don't go all in with their marketing and their branding. You really have to focus on developing that. Like if I'm doing podcasts, I'm not just going on 12 and going like, okay, that's it. I've done my branding for the day, for the year. <laughs> you know, <laughs> a lot of people think 12 a year is more than enough. No, I think you got to go big or go home because if you're not being consistent and you're not going big, you're not getting as exposure as you can for yourself and for your business. Right. And I also want to commend you. You know, it's interesting when you talk about being on podcasts, you prepped really well in terms of the message you sent me. You actually proposed topics. It was well-written. I could just tell you were really driven and you'd be someone fun to talk to, even though truthfully, I don't. your book doesn't exactly match with my audience, but I think our topic of what we can wrap around it does. And so it's, it always amazes me. I probably, of all the invitations I get, I probably get um, 10 a day, I would say on average. Yours stands out. And I've had probably, probably five like that where people have, in typically they're very energetic driven people. And I always, the back of my mind, I go, wow, this is why someone like you is successful or is moving along fast in your career of where you want to go because you're taking the extra time 
to set up when you're interacting with people. And well, yeah. I, I got to thank you for the compliment, but I am not taking the extra time to interact with people. And I actually did not spend a lot, a lot of time that you think I did pitching to you because that pitch was written by ChatGPT. It only took five minutes. Well, at least you took out the, uh, I hope you're doing well part because that wasn't in it. So I didn't know it was written by ChatGPT because it was written very well and it had topics yeah. that overlapped. So good for you, which was actually another one of my questions I wanted to ask you. So that was a perfect segue. How did AI play into, if at all, into writing your book? And what are your thoughts around AI? And, you, and obviously you answered it a little bit. What are your thoughts in terms of AI and using it as a tool to get things done faster and more efficiently? I'm all for it. I did not use AI to write the book at all. Okay. I had finished writing the book before ChatGPT was even released to the public. But what I did was I did use ChatGPT to help me write the Amazon sales description for the book. And I also had a draft table of contents. And um, I realized later on that the table of contents was really vague because if someone was at a bookstore and they opened up the book to the table of contents to see if, well, what does the book contain? Do I want to buy it? You can't really tell what it contains. So I told ChatGPT, please take this existing table of contents and make it very obvious, plain and clear, what the benefits are of each chapter that they're going to get when they read it. And it was almost perfect what came out. The Amazon sales description as well. I also, I want to use ChatGPT to help me write my bio, but then I'm a little too close to myself to write it objectively and without, you know, like how to look good without being too cocky or confident in my bio. So I did have to pay a professional to write that. But yeah, ChatGPT plays a really routine part of my day, I would say, because so far I'm booked on 80 podcasts, right? I've only started doing podcast interviews five weeks ago, and I'm already booked on 80 of them. Wow. Uh, we reached out to about 250 shows at this point, And the only way that we were able to get so many pitches done that seemed so custom and tailored and stood out so much and well-researched was thanks to ChatGPT. I came up with yeah. a really, really good prompt that took me a while to create. Sure. And then I handed it off to a virtual assistant to take care of it for me. Yeah, but in fairness, I, I sorry to interrupt you, but you know, I think you're humble in the sense that it's not just your message. You also have a video, which a lot of people don't do, by the way, on the, I'm specifically referring to Podmatch. You have a video and then you have a well-felled out profile. You have multiple pictures. You have links of other things. All those little touches, you know, a lot of times I'll get things like, hey, we were matched. I think I'd be a good guest. Tell me if you're right. <laughs> I mean, that's probably like 30% of the ones I get. Uh, and then you get a lot of mid-tier ones that look like they're written by ChatGPT, truthfully. And they're like, I hope you are well. I don't know, whatever. It's open, yeah. opening sentences. Hope you are well. And then it's like got all these words that most people don't normally use in yeah. English language that just jump out. They didn't use a good prompt. You know, yeah, yeah, I, no, I, prompt, used a prompt, yeah. I used a prompt that at the bottom... Um, I said, find good topics based on Tyler's show. This is about his show. His name is, insert name here, Tyler. His yeah. uh, show name is, you know, Think Business, blah, 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 with Tyler or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then here's about his show. And then I copied and pasted your whole profile from top all the way to the bottom. So everything that you put on your show of what you think it's about, I put on there as well. And I said, and also here's information about me. Find that intersection. How can... How can I fit in with his audience? Write, write a pitch that's like a merge of the two of us, right? So yeah, other people, we have the same tool. We, look, we all have access right. to the same tool. It's a really affordable tool as well. I just use it differently. 
Right, right. No, that's cool. Good job. Good job, though. I mean, good, good presentation. Uh, and I'm sure you do that in other areas of your business and your personal life. That makes a difference in terms of results. So cool. A couple closing questions I always love to ask. Do you have some tip that you could share with us, whether it be a life tip or a business tip, something you've learned along your journey that we could apply in our business or personal life? Yeah, I think one of the things you can do is you can get a really good looking headshot. I've been telling everyone this because you would think that it's it's common sense. Everyone should get one. They already know they should get one, but they don't. Please, please get a professional headshot taken by an actual photographer near you. Don't use a photo that was taken from a photographer at a wedding. Don't use your iPhone selfie. <laughs> and then when you go in for the headshot, this is a big mistake because apparently like someone who, who wanted to work with me, we, we were set to work on Friday last week. And um, I said, but one of the conditions of working with me is I'm going to go over how you can get a good looking headshot and, and advise you and consult you on that. And then you actually have to go do it. Right. And he said, no problem. But he showed up to the first meeting with his headshot already taken. And I said, this is not the kind of result I'm looking for, right? So you're going to have to go back and get it redone. Um, so first thing to look amazing, please try out different outfits, you know, see what colors look good on your skin before you go to the photo shoot, right? Take photos of yourself. Ask your friends, does this color look nice on me? Make sure your clothes are ironed, steamed so that there's not a single wrinkle in your outfit. Then also on the same day of your photo shoot, get your hair done. Men, get a haircut. Woman, same as well. Get a trim and then get it styled by the hairstylist. And also book an appointment with a makeup artist to get your makeup done just before the shoot because otherwise you will look totally washed out in your photo. This guy didn't even bother putting on makeup. So, and that shows, right? So if you, if you really want to succeed, you always, no matter what, have to put your best foot forward. And it's those tiny little details that you were mentioning that I do, those little details that really polish and up-level everything, that is what it is. So those are just different ways to polish your headshot as well. What do you think about, there's a lot of these uh, apps now that take uh, headshots using AI and they'll give you, they'll put, you know, take a picture of yourself and then they'll clean up the picture, you know, whiten teeth, whatever it does, and then put you in like 30 or 40 different outfits. What do you think of those? Have you seen those? I haven't seen those, but that's interesting. I would like to learn more. It's quite a bit. (laughs) My niece actually did it and she sent, she didn't tell me she took the service and she sent me a bunch of pictures. She goes, how do these look? I go, oh, they look awesome. She goes, oh, I used one of these AI services and they do actually look pretty good. At least the one she used. There's a lot of them now. They're about 40 bucks and they, um, you know, they just somehow AI through digital imaging, you in different outfits and clean up, you know, do things. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I'm all for it. If, if it gives a kind of like look and result you're, you're going for then give it a shot. But I think at least you should start as a foundation, start with that very good professional headshot and then use that with AI to generate different variations of that because I think the initial image matters as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And another question I'd love to ask, is there a book, a podcast, a show that you're watching that maybe you could share with us something we could enjoy that you're enjoying too? Yeah, a book that I started reading over this weekend is called Your Press Release is Breaking My Heart. A Totally Unconventional Guide to Selling Your Story in the Media by Janet Murray. Because one of the 50 things that I'm flushing out is I'm going to get in the media. I want to go mainstream. And I couldn't figure out how to do that. I asked various people for their advice. They didn't have any advice for me that would work. And um, this book is filled with nuggets on how to get a journalist's attention. So it's well worth reading. 
You know, it's another one too you may want to consider. There's a service called Haro, H-A-R-O. I'm signed up for that. Okay, yeah. So that can sometimes get you at least quoted. It won't necessarily get you like media interviews, but at least it can get you quoted. So cool. Good stuff. So I think that's it. Your website is uh, AnnieYangFinancial.com. AnnieYangFinancial.com. If people wanted to reach out to you, Annie, or get in contact with you, is there any other place you'd like them to go? Yeah. I want, before I do that, I want to give them a quick offer. If they go on AnnieYangFinancial.com and add the five-day job search book to their shopping cart on the site, they can use the coupon code TYLER, T-Y-L-E-R, for a 10% off discount on a signed paperback copy. Now, I know a lot of your audience are entrepreneurs and small business owners, but actually a lot of the things I talk about, mindset, branding, that's applicable for anyone. And this this is stuff you won't read in other books, even books that are catered to mindset and branding, because this is a really unique blend and mix that you can only find from Annie Yang. Um, so where else can you find me online? You can find me on YouTube. Just search for AnnieMargaritaYang.com. Starting next week, I will start releasing videos on how to do a five-day makeover. So basically how to transform your personal brand online with just five days worth of work. And also you can find me on TikTok. The username handle is Annie Yang Financial. Love it. Okay, Annie. Hey, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. These will be these links, the coupon code will be in the thinktyler.com show notes once I publish this. Um, really appreciate your time and best of luck to you. You're, you're a blast to talk with. Thank you so much, Tyler. I loved talking to you today. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Electric acid. Electric acid.